Well, have you ever been so hungry that you ate your leather shoe straps? I have not been that hungry, no. (laughs) Excellent. Well, that's good. What about your, like, wool rug? Wool rug? Is that a thing? Somebody did that? You will find out today. (laughs) You need a wool rug. Dang. Not a wool rug, but ox skin, perhaps. (laughs) You know, if you crisp it up enough, I guess, right? True. I mean, if you char anything enough, you can probably eat it beyond recognition. Gross. I don't want to be in that position, man. Dude. (sighs) I'm worried about where today's episode is going to bring us, I will say. (laughs) You should be. And this isn't like our traditional survival story. Because this one definitely has a lot of tragedy coupled with it. Kind of like similar in the sense of like the Titanic one, you know, where yes, there were survivors, but it was because of this great tragedy. Yeah. So this is quite similar. Are you ready to dive in? Great. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to, for you to see the post too. Cause I found Ooh. some photographs that, um, oh, what was it? They found like, um, abandoned wagon that they oh. believe to be James Reed's wagon. Ooh. And, they believe some ox bones wow and i was like what that is so crazy that like, is wild in that, um salty flat area oh my gosh Ooh, yeah. i can't wait to see i was that. like dude that is so cool i did not know i was like there's <laughs> gotta be like there's gotta be some kind of left behind evidence especially because it clearly is uninhabitable so right. it's not like it gets much foot traffic even nowadays yeah you know? exactly yeah like people don't go wow. there so yeah i thought that was pretty cool it was really interesting. That is wild. Yeah. How, ooh, I can't wait to see it. I know. It was fascinating, like, just looking at, have you ever seen a covered wagon, like, in person? I don't think so. There was one in Utah. We went to this little, um, like, settler's museum, and they had a covered wagon there. And it's just... When you stand there and look at it and you imagine traversing the country in it, it's just like, hard to think of, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, oh, it's just what they had to withstand. Yeah. And that that was, like, the best that they had to offer at the time. Yeah. Or, you know, and then, of course, there was varying qualities of covered wagons. So, you know, some people, you're just trying to make it across with what you can afford which sometimes isn't much you know yeah it's just ooh, i would definitely want to be in like the top notch most comfortable circumstance for sure i know i'd be like i'm gonna wait for them to build that railroad i think (laughs) me i think so especially after this yeah part two definitely (laughs) i am sold on never feeling like i need to do that you know, though, um, something that I was thinking about, and I know I mentioned this before in our um, desert marathon episode, mm-hmm. Marathon de Sable, yeah. and there's that um, pilgrimage that they do in Spain, Yeah, and it's, you know, very historical, and it's there's a lot of um, heritage that goes into each of the stops. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I'm surprised that as far as I'm aware, that there's not something like that in the United States where you do this pilgrimage of 
traveling west i mean i know we all do there's like route 66 that's kind of a big deal and um you know there's you can road trip across but i'm i'm just surprised that there's not some sort of weird like covered wagon experience where you're yeah yeah like it seems like that would be a thing yeah Yeah, you know you're kind of following in the footsteps and it's like we have the country to do it you know right it'd be interesting that would be if somebody starts someone out there start that up yeah it'd be cool well yeah because you well i guess you have like the pct and the appalachian trail but mm-hmm. those are definitely not like the same kind of a thing because i don't even know that those followed any like particular pre- yeah pre-existing trail or anything mm-hmm. like you you'd think maybe like uh oh this was a classic route that native americans used yeah. for travel or whatever but i don't think that's the case so mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting yeah and even then it's a lot of like I don't know. It's not really open to like anybody, I guess. You have to be very prepared and yeah. lots of training and stuff like that, which I guess same with the Sands one. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, there was this show years ago and I think it was called like The Frontier mm-hmm. and it was a reality show where you had to submit uh, like a application as to why you should be considered to be on the show. And it took place, I think there was three families, and you basically, like, draw a circumstance out of a hat. So you, there's three different circumstances that you start with. One was these people had it, the whole exercise, or the whole point of the show is that you have all of, I think, spring and summer and fall to prepare your land. Mm. And then the winner of the show is whoever is the most prepared for winter. Interesting. And it was fascinating because yeah. some of these families, I mean, like there was a couple that started with nothing. Mm-hmm. They had, I think, a little more money than some, one of the other circumstances, but they started with nothing. So no log cabin, nothing. One of the families had a fully built home. One of the families had a half built home. <laughs> and you had to like band together. You had like milk cows. And these were one of the families they had like teenage daughters wow. that kept getting in trouble because you're not supposed to bring anything with you right like from modern era and they kept bringing like mascara and yeah. stuff like that somehow like yeah. snuck it in yeah but it was really fascinating i encourage anybody to look it up and watch it because it, it's really it gives you an idea of like how someone like us would fare in that right. time frame yeah without all of the our same, conveniences all of our conveniences yeah, yeah. that's cool i know so, question for you. All right. So, we, uh, for all of you out there, we didn't even do our intro yet. Well, that's fine. That's all right. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, You're welcome. listening to The Resolute. I'm Aubrey. It's, it's me, <laughs> Shaylin. <laughs> we are on part two of The Donner Party. And um, have you ever been skiing before? No, I think. Well, really? Okay. I Yeah, I haven't been. I one time... <laughs> I was in like <laughs> the fourth grade told everybody that like over the winter break I had gone skiing I don't know why and they all believed me I made up a whole story about it it was very detailed <laughs> which is impressive because I don't think That's... I had even learned any information about skiing clearly so. they hadn't been skiing either I, I think so <laughs> yeah that's a good point so I've always thought that snowboarding seemed easier in my mind but I think talking to you about it before, that is not the case, right? It's harder to learn. Right. But then to me, it got easier. Whereas skiing is kind of easier to learn because you're more naturally balanced on right. two legs. And yeah. then 
gets harder the yeah. better you get. Yeah. That's just my my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but when you go, um, if you like ever go up the chairlifts and you're getting really high up where they, they have like markers at the base, the um, structures that hold the chairlift up, like these big poles, there will be foot markers on the poles to show how deep the snow is. Mm-hmm. So like from the base of the pole up. And it's crazy. Some of the ones, you know, and then there's where the trees are, um, where their trunk, their trunks just disappear into the snow. And people have been known actually to get stuck in those and die because they That's can't terrible. get out. Like Gosh. they, it's so deep. <laughs> so we're talking like 20 feet of snow. That's a lot of snow. Yeah. That's so scary. And so often when, you know, you see people skiing up on the mountain, they're skiing on top of 20 feet of compacted snow right and um is that even on like you know like right by the chairlift like is it like that it's gonna thin out towards the base yeah usually but um yeah even like right when you're getting onto a chairlift like you're standing on Hmm. i don't don't know know, (laughs) probably even more snow i don't even know how much i'm curious to see like you know what the it's different for every mountain i'm sure but it's just wild to see like wow that is there's um my family goes to whistler every year and chad and i have gone in the summertime before and so usually we go to whistler to ski and there's this area that when you go in the summertime it's fascinating because you're like wow this chairlift is a lot higher wow yeah go because you can still go up some of the chairlifts people mountain bike down yeah and it's you're like this is a lot higher than when it's covered in snow because there's that makes sense yeah but you wouldn't think about it yeah or there's like markers or like um structures at the top that you're like wow like that is way taller than it looks in the winter time yeah so um all right we left the donners um they had traveled an additional 150 miles by taking the Hastings cutoff. And they were now behind time-wise by an entire month. They'd lost tons of animals. Wagons, like you mentioned at the beginning, I mean, they found, if they if that was one of James Reed's wagons, it's yeah. crazy how many wagons were left behind. And this isn't even the worst. This is like just leading up to crossing the Sierra Nevadas. Also, I learned how to say Wasatch. Wasatch. <laughs> it's the Wa. And now how I'm going to remember it is Washington Satchel. There you go. Wasatch. Wasatch. <laughs> so the Wasatch You were mountains. close. You were pretty I was, close. I was close. Um, they'd lost tons of animals and cattle crossing the Great Salt Desert along with most of their supplies. And some of them had lost all of their cattle. Hmm. Um, But at last, they had rejoined the original trail, which they call the Known Course, um, which follows along the Humboldt River, and they were finally on, back on the normal course, the Known Course, to California. Which, if they had taken that course to begin with, they would have already been to their destination at this point. Wow, that is so frustrating. So, it's so frustrating, so they're, they're the last group of the 500 wagons that set out. They are the last group. And, you know, they have like an inventory of all the people that are supposed to be making it over there. So everyone knows that they haven't arrived yet. 
Um, but they don't, you know, they're not going to send out rescue yeah. parties and things like that until they know you're not. Right. Because people change plans too. So, you know, some of those people were that were destined for California chose to go to Oregon. Right. And vice versa. Or you got to wonder too, if they just set up shop uh, somewhere along the route and mm-hmm. like they did totally go off course, you know, that'd Ooh, be, yeah. I wonder how, I mean, I guess they got back onto the trail again, but still that'd be like, where would you even look? like, don't go off of the trail, man. Oh. No one will look for, for you. I think that's just like <laughs> jet, general rule like yeah. everywhere you go yeah. they tell you stay on the tra- stay on the trail yeah don't leave it yeah so um as they're following along back on the known course they meet a tribe of Paiute Native Americans and oftentimes you would hear of Native Americans taking everyone's horses and taking their oxen and things like that which to me, makes total sense. I mean, get out of my country. This right. is my land. This is, we inhabit here. And you see all these people just invading your yeah. area. <clears throat> um, a lot of the times it wasn't, uh, like, aggressive. They would do it quietly at night and things like that. So, you know, of course, there's situations where people would be attacked by groups of Native Americans but often they would just come and try to take away their means of travel right. by taking their oxen, which would force them back from where they came from or just stop them in their tracks. Yeah. It was kind of the Native Americans' yeah. goals. Um, at one point, there was a group of men. I can't remember why they had gone off track, but then they met up with everybody later. But it was three guys that had gone off. And then only two guys returned, and they had claimed to be attacked by Paiute Native Americans. Mm. However, much later on, one of the guys is like on his deathbed in the encampment and confesses that they killed the other guy mm-hmm. and took all of his belongings. Isn't that terrible? Yes. And then to, and then to kinda... blame, to, that's how those rumors start, yeah. just like the cannibals yeah. in our very first episode. Yeah. The supposed cannibals, you yeah. know? It just like perpetuates the, mm-hmm. you know, idea and misinformation that's going on. So, yeah. Terrible. And just feeds into the fear, you know? Um, I actually, quick side trail, because this is gonna already going to be a long episode. I'll try not to side trail yeah. much. But I just found at my parents' house, my dad had kept um, newspapers from when the attack on 9-11 occurred. Yeah. And he has, like, all the days after that for about a week. Yeah. Uh, there's a set of newspapers. And then in, there's the newspaper from 2003 when the U.S. declares war on Iraq. And I was in high school during that whole time. And I just remember when we were fed every day the war on terror terror the terrorists and the just it fed into your heart your mind and your soul to be afraid yeah of you know anybody with a head dressing anybody that looks like they're from the middle east Mm -hmm. and it's taken a you know a long time for me to like retrain my brain about that because it's ridiculous and that that was but that this is i can see why people believed it because if that's all you're hearing and you don't know it yourself it's easy and to why would warp anybody your mind. Believe, lie to you like that, right? right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you know, it's similar. It's unfortunate, obviously. Right. But, um, okay, so it's late October, and the Donner Party splits up into kind of smaller groups to travel 
as quickly as each group can. So the um, Donner families are up ahead, and then the Reed family is in the second group, along with many other families. And I'll kind of list the, the main families later. Um, so there's 87 people wow. that take this route. You know, they go through the Wasatch Mountains and are back on the course. Um, we start with 87 people. Now, I don't know how this happens, but somehow two of the wagons get entangled with each other. Okay. And John Snyder is the owner of one of the wagons, and he just loses it, which you is understandable. I mean, these people are under a lot of duress. They've barely made it across. They want to rest because it's nice and lush by the river. But they also know they need to press on because they're so far behind. So anyway, um, tensions are very high. Yeah. And as we know, Reed already doesn't have a great reputation within the company just because of his forward personality. You know, he's direct. He's that guy that just rubs you the wrong way, even if it's for good intentions often. And he really pushed to take the shortcut. And people are not thrilled about that. Um, so he's not a favorite. John Snyder was known to be well-loved in the community. and But John Snyder loses it. And he just starts beating one of Reed's oxen. Like, oh, my gosh. Brutally beating this animal. And they hardly have any left. I mean, Reed lost, what was it, 9 of 10? Yeah. I so this might so. be his like only yeah. oxen left. So he goes to intervene and john snyder just bashes him in the face and then reed's wife rushes up to just be like you know and they start getting into kind of a brawl to separate them and um john snyder hits her with the butt of the whip (gasps) oh my gosh what the heck man that is uncalled for (laughs) i I totally agree like i get it tensions are high yeah because by attacking the oxen too though you're almost like attacking their whole livelihood absolutely that could kill them just by stranding them you know Mm -hmm. that's awful that's a truly awful it would be like somebody like smashing the windshield of your car Mm -hmm. and just and then slashing all your tires and then start attacking you yes like (laughs) and taking your cell phone and you're like crap what am i gonna do (laughs) so as we said in the beginning like in the supply list in part one every person had a knife on them like at all times and Reed just rushes Snyder and stabs him with his knife, which you can get both sides of this. You yeah. can get, you can understand like right. being that stressed out and losing your cool and then watching, you know, this guy's beating your livelihood, hits your, your wife, wife yeah. and you Ugh. and just, I mean, it's yeah. murder isn't the answer, but right. I can, you can see it leading up to this point. Yep. And unfortunately, Snyder dies from this knife wound wow i know so this is in the west there's no laws the company gets together to decide james reed's fate my god and uh, um, there's keysburg who he's the man whose wife had the baby on the trail Mm. which is unbelievable still to me (laughs) um he was this guy this guy just is a potster and in more ways than one which you'll i'll reference back to at the end (laughs) but he is 
he just every account of him he's an awful man mm-hmm. he would beat his wife he was just known to be abrasive and nasty in a way that Re- i mean reed was irritating and they were mad at him but he wasn't hurting yeah. people until this point right so keysburg wants reed hanged like he's really pushed and he's like hang him and um everybody like i said had really liked snyder didn't like reed so kind of they're like yeah trying to get swayed that direction but they compromise because you know reed's whole family's there too yeah. and he's trying to take care of them and they decide to banish him instead <laughs> Which I don't know if that's worth if that's any better. <laughs> that's hardcore. I know. I don't know. Go hang out with the Mormons or something. Like I why know. not? Well, but he Probably you know he's, that means fate. leaving behind his wife and he can't go out. They can't go alone. They don't even have supplies. Oh, that's true. I know. Because so, I guess they probably aren't like close enough to like go to whatever the nearest establishment is. No, there's no establishment yeah. until they get over the pass. Right. So um, they send him off on a horse with. No provisions, no weapon. Okay, that's really messed up. Isn't it? It is kind of, it's pretty messed up. But I mean, like, I guess he did kill somebody, but I feel like today wouldn't that be like a claim of uh, self defense at that point, right? And to me, it seems that way, even if, or like a crime of passion. Yeah. And self defense and kind of self preservation, you know, just trying to preserve the last of your supplies. Yeah. Yeah. So that's terrible. I know. So before he leaves, like, other people in the party agree to t- help take care of his family. You know, his wife, who the he, part of the reason that he, that he wanted to move out west was because she has a weak constitution yeah, already. Right. And um, and then they've got ki- all those kids too. So Virginia, that's Reed's stepdaughter. She um rides after him and gives him some food and a gun to mm. protect himself. Yeah. So another reason that the groups would split apart is so they could kind of cover different areas and hopefully there's more like provisions for the animals so if you're a day behind somebody some of that i don't know if like the grass is going to grow back but you can see where they had gone and maybe bring your cattle to a different area to feed and that sort of thing um at this point everybody starts walking to save the animals no one's even children like the three-year-olds they're walk well maybe not the three-year-olds but supposedly everybody walk and um one of the men in their part in their party i don't know if he i don't doesn't sound like he had family but he was almost 70 years old and they forced him out of the wagon and made him walk and he was last seen sitting by a river nursing his swollen and cracked feet in the water and nobody saw him again they just left him? They left him. Like they would the do actual. that. They would leave. At this point, I don't know if it's just desperation to try to get over the mountain, but they just left him there. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Some of the party wanted to go back and look for him, but they pressed on and they're like, you you go look. We're going. This is and so then so you're torn between trying to find someone yeah. and trying to stay with the safety of the group. Right. So they were put in these positions that really stressed your humanity yeah early on i mean what do you do like you have and remember how many children there are yeah so i read that list of kids in part one because the majority two-thirds of this expedition 
is children. Yeah. And you have to, yeah. So there's already so many people that need to be taken care of. Yeah. And if it's your own children, are you going to go after this man who's not your family or stay in the safety of the group and provide for and do the best for your kids? You know, crazy. I know. It's so sad. So, um, during the days they're trekking slowly, making slow progress on the known path and during the nights, the Native Americans are continuing to come and take a lot of their cattle supplies and yeah. things like that. And um, the Graves family, they, all of their horses were taken. Wow. And then they lost another wagon. It, like, fell apart or something happened. They couldn't. They just had to leave it behind. So, meanwhile, Reed rides ahead. And, you know, it's just him on a horse now. And... The Donner party is a full day ahead, but he ends up catching up with them and leaves with another man, <laughs> which he's probably like, oh, hey, not yeah. mentioning right. why he's What's there. Up? You know, yeah. we're going to go. I'm going to head on to Sutter's Fort and bring back supplies, you know. Um, so he leaves to Sutter's Fort with another man named Heron and his whole he does plan when he gets there to gather people together to help come and help mm-hmm. because he they're in dire straits already. Yeah. And so several of the families, um, the Reeds at this, the rest of the Reeds family, not James Reed, he's heading to Sutter's Fort, which is their final destination at this point. Um, but several of the families, the Reeds and the Eddie family are now without any wagons at all. So imagine that, like you might have a couple oxen that you're trailing behind you or a pack mule with your belongings and that's it. Oh my you're gosh, on foot. are you yeah. for real? That is awful. And you have hundreds of miles to go yet through a mountain pass, which that part sounds almost easier without the wagons considering what it took for them to get through yeah. the Wasatch Mountain Range, but... But no, like, that's very limited supplies. Very. And then you have nothing once you get there either. You're just at the mercy of hoping somebody helps Mm -hmm. you. And so, obviously, you're staying in the group, you know. Right. The Eddie family suffered immensely. They had no supplies at this point, and their family was starving. Wow. And they were on foot. So they were trying, they would ask, try to get food from other people. Um, William Eddy is the head of the household's name, the dad. And he was an excellent marksman. So what he would do is he would ask to borrow someone's rifle. He didn't have a rifle. He he had probably just the knife that yeah. he kept on him. Yeah. But he would borrow someone's rifle and he would go out and take down some game and then give them a part of the animal as a in payment yeah. for using the rifle. And that works out really well, too. That works out well, yeah. Yeah. So they finally make it to the Truckee River. And this area is lush. It's cool. It's, like, a relief. They rest very briefly. Again, the company trying to determine whether they should press on, stay here for a day or two, let the animals rest, because the animals are starving just as much as the people. And are just as exhausted, Mm. you know? So, um, they decide they're going to just press on and make a push to get over the Sierra Nevadas. 
this is the part that makes me so sad because there's, I mean, there's so many points along this journey that if they had just done something different, if they had only insert here any sort of option, they might have survived. Mm. But, and this is another example, because they're more at the base of the mountain. If they had stayed right there, I wonder if what happens to them wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But like they press they on. They could have overwintered or something. Right. Like yeah. just wait it out. Because, yeah. at, I mean, it's um, end of October, but they were all told that snows wouldn't hit until mid-November. So it's supposed to take, I think, 15 plus days to get over the mountain pass. And um, so I think in their minds, it was like 15 to 20 days. If they go now, it's like we either go now or we don't. Right. Then yeah, we will make it in time. But um, so during this time, though, Charles Stanton, who so he left with another guy early on. Um, we had mentioned last episode to go see if he could bring back supplies. Mm-hmm. And he shows back up. Nice. This guy is like the hero of this whole story truly so um he returns bringing mules food and two native american guides that they're hoping can really help them navigate through the mountain pass and the fact that again i mean yes that you can see the path more clearly now with it being the known path you know hundreds of um, covered wagons have made it through here but it's still impressive to me that in the wilderness you're just like oh beep bop I'm gonna go up here and find I'll find them it's fine yeah I'm in the middle of a mountain range but I'll find them yeah. like, that's no I think about that because like obviously just where we live like yeah Oregon Trail the Lewis and Clark Trail and any of that kind of stuff any Native American trails and it's like, how do you, is that just something that we've lost over time? I think <laughs> you so. Know, like this I ability to get your that. bearings while yeah. you're in the wilderness. Because, I don't know, I go on a trail and I'm like, where did we go? <laughs> like, I'll be picking the exact opposite direction. <laughs> like, it was this way. Well, I do think, too, some people are innately directionally challenged. And there's some people, like, I generally have a good sense of direction. I can kind of, I am no tracker by any (laughs) means. I just mean, you know, if I'm out somewhere, I'm like, almost all the time, I'm like, well, no, it's over here. And they're like, no, it's this way. I'm like, no, it's not, though. I know it was that way. And I can kind of get my bearings quickly and kind of know where I'm at. But then there's some people where I'm like, how do you literally like we were just we walked two blocks and you yeah, already okay. forgot what direction right. we just walked yeah That's whoa so <laughs> you know what you, you <laughs> yeah, know what I mean I do know what you mean oh man but they haven't got a clue and it's like you didn't pick up on any any clues like <laughs> especially in like an urban setting it's like <laughs> you didn't look at the store you walked, parked by like I'm so confused like, you know okay That's funny. so he really was such a happy sight to see him and um he tells them that Reed and Reed's companion Heron had made it to Fort Sutter's. So they wow. like passed each other just right at, at the same time. And so that must have been such a relief for yeah. Reed's family to hear yeah. that he was alive, you know. 
So they're thinking, oh, we have provisions now. We have guides that are going to assist. The worst is behind them, is what they're thinking. Oh. However, <laughs> that, that, it that. isn't so. <laughs> it isn't so, because October 20th is the date, and they head out in staggered groups again. And um, the family groups, so here's the family groups. Just to give you an idea. These are the names that you're going to want to remember for the rest of this episode. Um, The Breen family. The Breens. uh, The Keysbergs and Eddie families. The Reeds. um, Stanton, who just had come back. He was with them. And then, as we know, James Reed. He was back at the fort. So I wonder if when they passed each other, if Reed was like, take care of my family. Because Stanton like tries to stay and help the Reed family. The Graves families, family, I keep saying families, sorry. The Graves family, the Murphys, and the Donners. And that's the order that they set out in. So the Breens first, the Keysburg and Eddies, then the Reeds head out, the Graves, the Murphys, and the Donners. Because this is a very narrow place that they're coming to to get up and over the mountain pass in the Sierra Nevadas. Um, Unfortunately, one of the axles breaks on the Donners wagon. So George and his brother Jacob go out and they are literally having to cut a piece of wood and to and whittle it down to make a new axle. Wow. And George slices his hand pretty badly with his knife while whittling the new axle. And of course initially they're thinking like like you know, when you hurt yourself, you're like, ow, that hurts. And then days later, you're like, man, that really hurts. Yeah. So they think it's a pretty superficial wound um, initially. So the Breens end up making it to Truckee Lake. This is about a thousand foot climb up this steep slope of the mountainside. And when they get there, they take refuge you know, just to rest because it was such a huge ordeal to get there. They find a small cabin. Now, when you think small cabin, when I when I was researching this and heard, oh, they found a small cabin. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, that, how not, nice shelter. This cabin is a rectangle made of logs with just a hole for an entrance and old hides to create the roof it's a flat roof yeah in the mountains in the snow it's not snowing yet but that's not gonna hold up in the snow yeah so that's it's drafty there ended up being they created a couple more cabins because they ended up needing to camp here um and these are crude structures and some people just hunkered and took refuge in what remained of their wagons Mm -hmm. because it offered better shelter than these cabins and those wagons are drafty. So that tells you a lot. Yeah. Um, so they camped in this cabin, the Eddies and Keysbergs joined the brains and, um, but they can't make it all the way or, or sorry, they joined the brains, but they can't continue because they're hitting now, it, they get it starts snowing hmm. and at this point it had been snowing for days 
and they are now in five to ten foot snow drifts. Oh my gosh. And they can't make it over it. And they can't find the trail to continue on. And so they take refuge in this cabin area by the lake. And you're probably thinking, clearly somebody else made this and inhabited here right. to survive what you know, and then moved on. So that was probably um filling them with hope initially. However, because it you know wasn't supposed to snow until mid-November, and this is the end of October, yeah, and they're already getting five-foot snowdrifts. Half a day behind them were the Donners, and when this snow sets in, the Donners they don't even make it to the lakeside encampment. They are forced to stop. Um, I, it's like quite a ways away. So it's like a half, well, a half day away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Time frame, half day away. The Donners camp, so they're towards like they're farther down the mountain because the lake is at a higher elevation, and they still have even higher to go before they get over the ridge. Wow. So they're all hunkering down, and November fourth, it starts snowing again, and the snow is relentless. Mm. So, um, in the shelters, the lake campsite, the Breens have a cabin, and uh, the Keysbergs made a lean-to against the side of it. And we are talking very rudimentary structures here. Yeah. Um, the Eddie and the Murphy families have one of the other cabins, because they find two more. And then the Reeds and Graves share a cabin. So these are dirt floors, pine log cabins. There's it was made quickly. There's no nothing to block the wind from just blowing through all those cracks and it is frigid. Mm. Um there's 19 men at the lake camp, 12 women and 29 children. Gosh, okay. 29. <laughs> That's so many. And 6 of those are under 2 years old. Yeah. So you've got littles. That's sad. Yeah. The Donner encampment, they made some crude tent shelters. Um, They took some of the canvas off of their wagons and tried to make some shelters from that. This snowstorm lasted eight days of constant snow. And the food that Stanton had brought them was almost entirely gone at this point. Because, like I said, it was supposed to take 15 to 20 days well, just this snowstorm lasted eight days. Right. And so, you know, he didn't bring, he brought enough food thinking this will at least get them over. Right. But, gosh. At this point, their oxen are dying and just freezing solid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because there's no shelter for them. Like, right. these structures are tiny. So right. all the animals, the an- few animals they had left were left outside. Wow. And... <laughs> Oh, gosh. Eddie and the Reeds, they had all, like I said, had already lost almost everything. They had no um, no animals. They had uh, no wagon. And Margaret Reed, she had promised the Graves and the Breen families to pay double when they got to California for if she could have three oxen to provide for her family. Yeah. Um, the Graves charged Eddie $25, which was worth two healthy oxen, um, 
for a carcass of a starved dead oxen. So double the cost of like two healthy oxen for a starved carcass. And he did it because that he had to do it to survive. Yeah. Yeah. November 20th um, is when Patrick Breen keeps a diary. And so a lot of one, there are survivors. And so a lot of the accounts of what happens are retold by the survivors, but he kept a, most of it initially is just including like the weather, how long it's been snowing, how deep the snow is, you know, more of like a factual structured, you know, this is what we have. This is who's here. But then, um, you know, his later entries include more detailed descriptions too of what they really endured. So there were many attempts by the party or members of the party to cross the mountain pass on foot. Uh, <sighs> I know. Like, that just, is, uh, uh, yeah. oh my gosh. On foot. And these were fruitless. I mean, we're talking five feet of snow. And, How are and you it, even... you probably just like fall right through, right? right? Yeah. Because if it's not compacted at all, then right. you don't have the little snow You're just shoes. Trudging. And... Imagine just trudging through snow in whatever clothing you've got. Yeah. You're trying to, you know, layer up as yeah. much as you can. Yeah, they probably don't even 1847, have... 1847. Like they definitely don't have the proper kind of like anything to keep you warm and, or dry. Right. A spare change of clothes. Like, yeah. How terrible. And they probably... I mean, I don't know what, if they packed every item of clothing that they owned, but they weren't imagining that they would be right in this scenario. So you really aren't equipped with yeah. winter, winter gear, you right. know? So um, the snow was so bad at one point that they couldn't leave their shelters for days at a time. Wow. And remember, too, the roof is made of hide or canvas like they would put canvas in places to patch it up because it was leaking Mm. and all the snow on top of that the fact that the roofs just didn't cave in is miraculous miraculous the animals were quickly buried alive by snow wow and then they it was their only food source and they couldn't even find them (gasps) Wouldn't oh my that, gosh that's so it's terrible how despairing yeah um it reached the point where they started to have to eat their pets that's so sad it's so sad and um of course they're all enclosed in these tiny spaces sometimes you can't even leave to you know yeah and i think of like the bathroom situation yeah Ooh. Yeah, that's that was exactly. <laughs> Especially with like all the little kids and everything. I know. They're Ugh. packed in. And that is where I will leave you for part two. And jokes on you guys, it's actually a three parter. <laughs> <laughs> I know you thought we were doing two, but it's a lot and it's a lot for your mind to think of. So we're gonna give a little rest in between. You'll need a moment to think you about this. A moment. You'll need a moment. But we hope you to see you guys next week if you're not too scared. And um, we'd love for you to like us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. You can find us anywhere 
We have podcasts. And if you want to become a supporter of the pod, you can do that through patreon.com or Spotify. That's right. Be sure to share us with your friends. Uh, follow us on Instagram. I like to post stories. Or excuse me. I like to post pictures that go along with each episode. And there's some really interesting photos of like for this the first part i did uh i found photos of their wagon that they left in the salt flats so very interesting stuff over there i try so hard not to look up photos because i like to see what you post yeah it's really fun for <laughs> it's, me it's a very fun part to get yeah. into all that so and i yeah unless i'm trying to look up a map yeah. but usually i try not to because i yeah. love seeing i'm like oh man yeah. that's so cool yeah you do great on those thank you so yeah All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Bye.